have to do the blog, obviously. I know nothing about this though, so most of the the, the outline has like most of the like complete sentences that could be helpful. <laughs> well, the blog doesn't have complete sentences anyway. So. Oh, hi, hi, hi. Yeah, I can also <laughs> format this for like. But like, I feel like you'll have stuff to talk about. ND, like you've had to sign an NDA. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll. I'm totally. I, I'm here for the color commentary today, and always. But <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Okay. Shall we? Yeah. Okay. Hop on, on in first. There. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, <laughs> welcome back to the third and final episode of How to Work in Tech, a series. This episode, we're going to talk about the stuff that literally no one talks about, and I know that we say that a lot, but literally no one is talking about this, how to read your offer from a tech company. Yeah, you you should know how to do that before you sign said offer. The great thing about working for startups is that they usually grant you stock in the company. The bad news is, is that nobody fucking explains how any of that works. Like, literally... Never once <laughs> was I explained, like, what the fuck I was getting myself into. No. Uh, and you just, like, learn, and then you're like, well, good thing it didn't turn out the other way, because then I would, the IRS would be after me, probably. <laughs> so we're going to teach you this shit today. That's, like, this is one of the biggest things we want to teach everyone in this series, is the financial shit that's just scooped under the rug, because it's not sexy, and startups are supposed to be sexy and, like, fun and exciting, and then you to sit down and talk about taxes is probably going to, like, kind of... Tr- switch the vibe from getting from getting a job offer but this is this is super important things to understand there's also weird legalese that's in a lot of startup offer letters so we're just going to talk about what the fuck your offer actually says and then how to negotiate it and like what you can expect maybe from a benefits perspective yeah we can so obviously the most standard part of the offer letter is a salary And startups kind of have like this reputation of paying below the market. And that's one of the things that we're trying to help. So really understanding like the fair market value for the services that you are offering to the company is really important. There's a lot of ways to go about finding those things. And there's a lot of resources out there. Honestly, the best way that Sarah and I have found is to talk to your friends and like Mm -hmm. do exactly what the companies don't want you to do. You should be comfortable talking to people about your salary. In an offer letter, the first thing, like I said, they're going to they're gonna line out what your salary is. And if the company just raised rounds, you can expect them to hopefully pay you more. Mm-hmm. So like this is where you can ask the salary bands question. That's usually a max and a min, a minimum of like what they'll pay somebody for this role. If you're planning to grow out of the role quickly, you should be at the max because that's kind of like how it works. If you're in the middle, they don't need to, they won't see a need to promote you out of that role until you're at the max for that role. Yeah. You really do want to go max to middle to max. Like you never really want to be at the minimum of the pay band. And they say that they'll, they'll say we put you at the bottom of the pay band so that you have room for growth. That's bullshit. They just don't want to pay you a lot. They have the budget to pay you the max in the band. And so that is something that you should, you have the right to ask what is the salary band for this role and where do I fall in it? And then asking the question, why was I, is there a reason why I can't be at the max? Is there an actual legitimate reason besides? And 
And good companies, they will have reasons for that. If they come back with a legitimate reason, that's okay. But yeah, like negotiation is expected even in the offer stage. Mm -hmm. That is expected. You are allowed to negotiate. Yeah, more, more often than not, though, they will ask you to negotiate before you get a written offer. Yeah. So That's, keep that in mind, too. You'll usually get a verbal offer of just, hey, this is what we are going to offer you in terms of stock options and salary. And that's where you have the chance to be like, to ask those questions. What are the, what is the band? And then we'll go into to questions you can ask about stock as well uh, right now. Okay, let's talk about stocks. So uh, in your stonks, <laughs> in your <laughs> verbal and written offer, they will give you like salary and they'll talk about stock options or RSUs, which is restric- restricted stock units. So Stock options are usually for like very private companies. And by very private, I mean, you are not even close to like the IPO stage. Mm -hmm. Less, probably less than 50, like less than 100 million in revenue for sure. Um, RSUs are like, you're going to sneeze and accidentally go public. (laughs) Or um, (laughs) uh, where like Clavio and Toast, like if they make one sudden move, like accidentally they'll ring the bell at NASDAQ. (laughs) Or you're a public company uh, and you get an RSU. So you want to understand how many total stock options there are. Uh, And so you can ask that. You can ask how many shares are there total. Not outstanding, which means amount that they can give out to people, but like total because you want to understand how diluted your shares are essentially. Mm -hmm. So you want to know what your percentage is going to be. Yeah, what percentage of the company you're going to own with this stock grant or right. you could own with this stock grant. And so you want to usually they'll they'll explain it in a way that like investors own X percentage, founders own X percentage and employees are granted like X percentage. And a general rule of thumb is employees should own like 20% of total shares. Uh, that's good. That's standard. If it's any more, like that's great. And if it's less, eh, it's a bit iffy. So that's one thing that you should ask. If a company isn't willing to tell you this information, that's a red flag. Why not? You know, like you should know, you should know how much of that company they're willing for you to own because that shows like their, their confidence in you. And themselves. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you also, the, you're going to be granted these stocks and they're going to come at a specific price. They're going to be valued at a specific price. If a company just raised a bunch of money and they're worth 50 million, that doesn't necessarily mean that your like stock shares are going to be worth that percentage of 50 million. Those are two separate valuations. So there's a 409A valuation that is basically done by like compliance experts. And it's usually like lower end. Uh, and that 409 valuation is what your strike price will be based off of. Yeah, that's like the that's that's a better indicator, I think, yeah. of what the typical valuations that we see are. Right, like the post valuation, like when someone raises money, that's that's negotiated between the founders and the VCs. And it's if marketing. the VCs, yeah, it's marketing. If like <laughs> the venture capitalists are super excited, they're gonna they're going to make the value will, of a company. Yeah, more. And of inflated. course, they're gonna be. This is where it gets. Everything's made up, and the points don't matter with yeah. VCs and com- and startup founders is because. Of course, the VC wants the company to be successful. And of and course, like the founder wants the company to be successful. So they're going to value it as high as they possibly can. Yeah. Whereas the 409A valuation is, this is external. They owe this company nothing. Uh, that's what your strike price is based off of. So you're going to get this this letter, basically, that you'll be granted this many stocks 
at this strike price. And that strike price for you will never change when it comes Mm -hmm. to that initial stock grant. So you want that initial strike price to be super low. Yeah. uh, Because you want the the value of those stocks to go up because if there is an exit, for example, your company is acquired, the company goes public and you want to sell your stocks, you will have bought them at that lower price, but they will be sold for a much higher price. And that's, right. that's the, like the value of getting stocks is yeah, it's, it's basically, it's a gamble. They, yeah. And they can't pay you the difference in salary, yeah. but they're saying if you stick with us and you, you know, you let your, we'll get into vesting and all of that schedule, but like, if you st- if, if you stay with us and you keep acquiring the stock and then you eventually buy it from that, you, you will get the difference in salary made up, which yeah. is tough, I think, for our generation. Like we we want something right now. We, like, want, we want something right now. Like stocks we, aren't going to pay our bills, but I think this generation also is starting to get a better understanding of investment. Totally, but I think too. We want the money now because we have to have the money now because of the lifestyles that we choose to live and we're not buying houses and all of these things. Like, You shouldn't take poverty level wages in exchange for like no. a bunch of stock that you don't even think is going to be worth anything. Like that, I've been yeah. at companies where I did not buy the stock back. Me so too. I do not have any stake in that company. Me too. I, have been at companies where I did do that and it worked out in my favor and like that was great. But it's your choice whether you want to buy that stock or not. So right. uh, in the initial phase, like you have to be, you have to be, you have to have faith in that company if you want to buy the stock. So if you don't really and you're there for a paycheck, then negotiate for salary over stock options. Yep. Yep. Um, one thing also that was never taught <laughs> to me is that your shares or RSUs are not given to you immediately. You are mm. not given the letter that says that these are your stock options. You're given that generally 90 days into your role at that company. Like you are you are granted the written document that says these are yours now, uh, by the way. Like you might have the, the initial stock information in your offer, but you're not granted access to Carta to be able to see like what your schedule looks like. So this is just the the option grant. Got this it. is just the letter being like, here you go. You can have these now. Yes. So that's 90 days. That's 90 days. Yeah. So then <laughs> you don't actually own anything. Like nothing is put in your name. So like basically the option grant is we're giving you a piggy bank for this stock. Nothing gets put into that piggy bank right. until you're a year in. So that's called a vesting schedule. Vesting usually happens over the course of four years uh, with a one-year cliff. So that one-year cliff is a retention tactic, Mm -hmm. basically being like, you're not going to see any of the stock that we granted you until you've been here for a year. That's also why there's a lot of turnover after a year at companies is because people are like, I'm just going to take my stock and I'm going to bounce. So one-year cliff for your vesting schedule. So on year one, you'll get a fourth of that stock. Every Every month after that, you will get more of that stock. And generally, you will end that vesting schedule after four years. Yeah, like what the fuck are we like? Are we like, hiking? Why is there cliffs? And what the fuck is a vest? vest? Like Jesus Christ, <laughs> cliffs and vests. Maybe that's why there's so many Patagonia okay, vests. In, uh, and then last but certainly not least, <laughs> even during your vesting schedule, even after those four years, you still do not own those stock options. You have to yeah, buy you still them. Have to buy and them, that's bro. Called- that's you fucking have to buy them. That's what they call it, exercising your shares. Dude, this whole, this whole thing this is whole a hike. Thing. Oh my God. <laughs> so <laughs> fucking uh, you can exercise your shares after a year 
or, you know, after whatever, if you want to do it in like increments, if you want to do it month over month, you, you buy those shares. And it's similar to buying stock. You won't be taxed on stock options until they are like you sell them or like they are bought from you in, a, yeah. in an exit. RSUs, on the other hand, are taxed on once they start vesting because RSUs could be either stock or cash. So it's, so it's different. The like tax things are different. If you're granted stock options, the company is not public. If you're granted an RSU, your company could be public, but it's essentially like a grant. You are you are basically given in writing the commitment to receive the value of shares or cash without requiring any upfront payments. You don't have an exercise price for RSUs, but also the value could be lower. So like stock, there's higher upside, but grant, there's guaranteed money at the end of your vesting period. Yeah. You could have one, you could have the other. You gen- you usually don't have both. <laughs> that would be weird. Typically don't have both. Typically don't um, have both. So yeah. that's that's basically what the fuck is going on when they offer you stock options. But like we will put this on the blog so you can be like, what the fuck should I ask during this conversation? You can you can negotiate for more stock if you want. I have friends like at this level in our careers, five years in, where they prefer stock over, you know, a bonus structure or anything like that because they're like chilling salary wise and they have an okay salary. Uh, So it really is dependent on like what your needs are right now. Like if you need to pay rent, then, then negotiate for more salary. If you want to like build an investment portfolio and you're okay with like the standard of living that you have with the salary that they gave advocate for 10 K more. Cause that's just negotiation one Oh one, but advocate for, for some more stocks as well. Yeah, they're typically a little bit more mm-hmm. lenient on that side too because it isn't yeah. like cash right now. Yeah, you have to keep in mind what you need, but also what are the chances this company is going to – Yeah, you're going to stick around. What are the chances that this company – how many mm-hmm. of these startups fail? Not just fail, mm-hmm. just kind of like fizzle out. Everybody's dream is to exit. Everybody's mm-hmm. dream is to IPO or whatever, but that, that says more you should – Obviously, before you get to the point where you're getting an offer, believe in the company mm-hmm. that you're interviewing for. But think about that too. Like, if if you are really interested in what the company's doing, maybe you maybe you ask for more stock, and and maybe you have more skin in the game of how the actual thing goes versus like just taking a paycheck. I think stock is a way that uh, executives and board, like at a company, see you bought in. That's how they get you to like. That's how they're yeah, looking at like, it, at least, is, well, you own part of this company. You should want a, us to succeed more than yeah. just for your day job. And yeah. so that's also not something that you need to to know immediately. The, that is kind of the good news about the one-year vesting cliff and then the four-year vesting period is depending on how long you're there and the red and green flags that you see within that company, like you have the, you have the ability to exercise or not. Which is why companies kind of keep around the people as long as possible that have started early because they have a lot of shares and they want yeah. to keep those like, people happy. If you're the first hire in your specific department at an early stage company, you should own a percentage of that company, whether that's like 0.75 to like yeah. 2%, depending on are you yeah. a software engineer? Because <laughs> software engineers are going to get paid a yeah. buck ton of shares. And we've talked about it a lot. You know how much change yeah. that person has to go through to be there even for two years? Like we talk about that a lot. That They're buying that part of you. They're buying the flexibility. Like we don't talk about that a lot. Is 
we talk a lot about our what we want our jobs to be and how when you hire us you I have a six month plan but like things don't always go yeah. to your six month plan and especially when you're very early on like they're buying you to be flexible and you again have skin in the game having what one to two percent of the a huge company amount. like yeah you're bought in literally you will not be granted one to two percent of the company as employee no absolutely like, and you should not you know. expect that like you should expect point zero something something like candidly uh yeah so that's also expectation setting you you will not own one to two percent of the company if you are employee even 50 even 30 you have to really be there early and that's fine you can still have a good exit having point zero something percent of a company what else goes into offers benefits and yeah. like other documentation I mean, we've talked a little bit about our benefits. They're not great. They're not terrible. Listen, I'm a single gal by myself. I have health insurance, unlimited vacation. My 401k, I do have one, but it doesn't match, which is fine. Like I don't mm-hmm. – I'm not thinking about that right now. I think I think you can expect to see work from home stipends. I think that a one-time like yes. $200 you can expense, whatever you want. Like that's becoming a lot more normal, especially in like tech startups. It is kind of that that stereotype of like ping pong tables and kombucha on tap, but also like you don't get health insurance or like you don't have 401k match. Like it's similar. It's, it is kind of that vibe, but in the remote setting, it's like education stipends, like go to a conference, uh, but we're like not going to match your yeah. 401k. That's kind of yeah. what you can expect from like a benefits perspective. A lot of people are going unlimited vacation because you don't have to pay people out if they have unused vacation days when you offer unlimited. Yeah. Well, and it's kind of like par for the course at this point. Like everybody has that. So the other thing that I ask, because I I know that benefits Mm -hmm. aren't great to begin with, but like we said, with the first two years of a company, like it changes into six different companies within that time. Ask about a benefits like roadmap. They should have an idea of what they want to do next. That's, those are questions that I asked Postal. I was like, all right, so are we thinking about remote offices? Yeah. Are we like what's yeah? What can I get next? like a WeWork like, subscription comped? Like you can those, ask that those questions and like you should tell them what's are, important to you so that they can start to understand yeah, what's important questions. to you. I mean, there are some people who at Alice, for example, the health insurance covered like talk space or BetterHelp if you wanted to do you know if you wanted to kind of push yeah. the boundaries of traditional quote unquote health insurance. Um, so like ask the yeah. questions about what would make you comfortable working. In a, for a remote company, um, ask about team right. offsites. What is the culture of that? Is there like a whole company sort of like retreat that's done? And if not, like what are you doing to ensure that there is a sense of community and team and like teamwork within culture, this team yeah. that is working yep. and on like four different continents? You know, like those are those are not yeah. out of the question, especially when you're talking about benefits. And last but certainly not least, legal fun. The fine print. Um, yeah. Literally well, fine. Um, usually you'll have either and or non-disclosure or non-compete. So you might have both or one or the other. A non-disclosure or NDA essentially means that like there are certain parts of a job that you just you cannot legally share externally. My friend yeah. works for a big tech company that restructured and reorged and she had to sign an NDA until a specific date when that reorg was going to be like yep. announced to the public. Like that is pretty table stakes. Um, and it's pretty standard, especially in like highly competitive industry, like healthcare or biotech or like 
regular software is just like don't tell our secrets to the public um if you have like a patent or anything like Um, that like that is you that'll fall under an nda you can't tell people how that shit works yeah and these are i don't know that i've ever seen one at the offer oh. stage but they come up i've like gotten them in like an offer like i had it's like something i have to sign when i sign my offer letter yeah okay um i had to sign one when i was Damn. laid off interesting um for a year i think that was the terms of that uh but i yeah. also didn't have a choice <laughs> like yeah that was what it was and a non-compete is pretty standard like every job that i've had yeah. i've had a non-compete at so that basically just means like if I, you know, you can't a just go work for a, a competitor, a company, and you can't. Typically, it has a lot to do with yeah. like poaching employees and bringing people with you. Yeah. You can't do that uh, with a non-compete. The non-compete also like can kind of be negotiated a little bit if it's going to be an actual issue for you because you are like a subject matter expert in a very specific micro industry because non-competes generally mean that you like cannot go to a competing company or profession within three to five years of leaving that company which can sometimes like hinder your professional development so if that's if that's going to be an issue that's that can be negotiated in terms of wording or length or anything like that but usually it's put in place so that the company as you worked at it is basically moot within three to five years. So you can't share like the secrets of that company. Cause they're not, they're not relevant anymore. Right. Yeah. Relevant so like anymore. that legal yep. stuff does not mean that you're like getting served. <laughs> like I saw that, I saw that in like no. my first offer letter and I was like, what is, what does it mean? Like, what do you mean? Yeah. You're like, like scared. Yeah. Fucking- <laughs> like ruined legally because I told my parents what I did at work today. Like shit. Like, no, you're fine. Yeah. No, no, they didn't understand it anyway. So it doesn't matter. (laughs) But like, yeah, that's super standard. Um, I would, you know, like look it over to make sure it's reasonable. Um, but don't be alarmed when you see that shit in an offer letter. Uh, it's standard or like when you're signing things in like DocuSign or whatever, and it's like non-disclosure agreement. And you're like, what the fuck do you mean? Am I being censored? It's like, no, you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> Free speech. Um, so this was like the less, like not a, like a fun. This is the less best practices, and more so like what the fuck are you what what the fuck should you expect uh, when you receive like yeah. the verbal and written offer from a company? Because like you fucking did the hard work, and now it's just yeah. like now you have to translate basically a legal letter into uh, like your work contract. That is your work contract. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, guys, I, we don't read paperwork. Read the fucking whole, read the whole thing. Just read the whole thing. Get a glass of wine, a glass of coffee, whatever. Yeah. Just read the whole thing. Like It's, it's fine. It, It'll take you it, like 20 minutes. It helps you. Yeah. But it also like, as you start to move through companies, mm-hmm. they get, they are different. The offer letters at different companies are different. You need to Know what you're looking mm-hmm. at to know what you want eventually. Yeah, read the, read the whole thing. thing. Like actually ask for what you want. And it's okay to want salary over mm-hmm. stock. It's okay to want stock over salary. But like understand what that means. Yep. Thousand percent. Cool. Um, love to know if you have any questions about this shit because it's fucking crazy. Uh, and nobody, nobody teaches you this. No, but we're gonna. We're, we're trying. trying. We're trying. If you have here. any more questions, you have more questions. Jinx. Yes, let us know. <laughs> um, 
uh, we'll be happy. To, that means we yeah, really we'll want to happy to either research the answers to your questions or Probably or answer them with our with our experience. But okay, love okay. you. Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>